we save them $50,000 a year by either damaging overhead or the yeah. fact that they hired the wrong person and had to rehire them or they paid mm. too much for the labor. Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and this show is to help you build a life of fulfillment and leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Phil Jackson said, the strength of the team is each individual member and the strength of each member is the team. And Miles Davis said, time isn't the main thing, it's the only thing. Chris Ward is the leading authority in building your business by building your team. She is the founder of the Win the Hour, Win the Day philosophy, where she helps entrepreneurs create their What Is Next team using her signature super toolkit so you can get your idea to implementation and make your ambitions come alive. So if you're looking to create more time in your day by outsourcing and create a team that's going to help you get to the next important steps, this episode is for you. And if you like anything you hear on the show, don't forget to share it on Instagram and tag me at chris.t.anderson and subscribe to the show so you don't miss future episodes. Chris, welcome to Pencil Leadership today. Oh, excited to be here. Uh, I would love to kind of hear about you, your story, and what got you to doing what you do today, if you would. All right. So uh, I'm a marketing strategist and I was actually pulled away from my business for about two years. And this is where people, the story really picks up for most people. So I was pulled away from my business for about two years um, when my husband was diagnosed with colon cancer. Mm. And when I returned after his passing, my existing clients were shocked. They had no idea of his absence, of my absence. They had no idea of his illness. They didn't know anything as well as the local business community. Nobody knew anything. I didn't feel it was good for business. I didn't feel it was was something I wanted to talk about, wasn't helpful. I had my hands full. And we were also very, very positive in nature. My husband and I decided that if the doctors were, you know, wrong, we sat around holding hands, crying for two years. If they were right, we sat around the last two years holding hands, crying. So we were just, you know, on board with living life the best we could with uh, what was going on. And so when he did pass and I returned, as I said, it was a shock to everybody. So my existing marketing clients started to approach me and asked me, like, how did I manage that? How did they not know? How did I run the company? How did I return to a business that was not only surviving, but was growing? It was thriving. Because let's be really clear and honest about that. Take all the emotion out of this story if you want. You know, I lost an income and to return, if I had returned to a business that was gone, that was not the time for me to try to craft a resume, be charming in an interview and learn a new job. It just was not going to be something I could, was capable of after losing your best friend. So I started working with my existing marketing clients under the capacity of team building and productivity. Cause that was it. That's how I got through this. This is how it got done. And they, you know what, they started to see big results really quickly. They started to have real vacations for the first time, evenings and weekends off. They started to get their ideas to implementation, which is really all being an entrepreneur is about. It's about getting ideas to implementation, not busy work or admin work. You didn't start a business to run a business. You have all these continual passions and creations that you want to have a bigger and bigger impact. And how do you get that done? So it started from there and from that grew the book and, uh, and the whole platform just kept growing from there. We now have a podcast, which is actually covers general business to help you get to your next win. Now it doesn't focus on team building, but the whole foundation of when the hour, when the day creating your, what I call your, what is next team. So you can get to what is next and build on systems, which save yourself stress, time, energy, and money. That is how 
it all happened because I firmly believe that you should have a business that supports your life instead of consuming it. And uh, that's where it started. That's awesome. Uh, And thanks for sharing and being transparent and open. I know sometimes that's hard, but yeah, I, it's amazing what can happen when we have the systems and the processes in place to kind of take a lot of that business kind of work. So it doesn't consume our lives. I think that was a big thing that I took away from what you just said right there is just coming back to it, to a business that was thriving because you had things in place uh, that it could run kind of in your absence if you were or continually to grow when you might not be 100% there. So what did that look like when you then you transitioned with these marketing clients, the ones you're working with to build this team? Was there a big kind of pushback at all with implementing new things? No, because they were really okay. hungry for what I had to offer because awesome. they, could, they could see what I did. They, they sought mm-hmm. me out. I had marketing clients. I, I didn't ask for this. So it was their you know gentle persistence and, and my <laughs> appreciation for the fragility of life. Like, yeah, life is, you know, you got to take care. You, you just can't. This whole idea of everything paying the price because you have a dream, it, it, it's just, you know, we, it doesn't last. It doesn't mm. work. It affects family, your health, all that stuff. And, and that idea of that you got to grind it out you know, that badge of honor, how hard you work. I mean, those are just things that we've got to stop buying into. And they just make good stories and the hero and the right. So it, it doesn't work, right? And if you look at the history of anything done successfully, but especially business, they always had a team, right? To me, team means like together, you know, everyone amplifies money. That's mm. really what it means. So what I would tell you is I think they were just so relieved because I think what happens is you have this idea. It's old school that to have a team is expensive and all that stuff. That is really from the mindset of when you were an employee and it's a very different world. Like it's a magical world to be in business as far as your resources and outsourcing and affordability and having somebody come in when you're starting three hours a week, if you need a virtual assistant, you can just, you really truly can start on any budget. Mm, Okay. Let me let me tell you a quick story about how it happened for me. Many years ago, uh, let's say 10 years ago, when I was still doing physical appointments, because I went virtual long before anybody else, even if somebody was down the street from me, it was just easier for me to go back to back virtual appointments than to drive across town, wait for them to come out of meeting, blah, blah, blah. So I would be at this point 10 years ago, sitting down, making notes, you know, potential marketing client. And, you know, what would happen is I would make all these notes and I would promise myself hand to God when I got back to the office, I would put these notes right in my computer. So that didn't happen. And then if I was really lucky, it would happen like on Friday afternoon, but more often than not, it happened the next Friday. And what would happen though is, you know, these potential clients would call me and then I got the opportunity to be one of two people on the phone. Uh, they could hear that I'm scrambling. I'm trying to read these notes that were meant for 20 minutes and down their two weeks, or I could misquote them. And it would look like I'm trying to swindle them, but because every package is so custom, but I was just reading bad notes, something I wrote on my lap. And so I thought this can't be like the stress was crazy. And it was taking up all Friday afternoons to trying to piece this together. So at the time I found an outsourcer who only transcribed, this is what she liked to do. She had like 10 clients. She only liked transcriptions. And because it was her zone of genius, her passion, she was really fast. Now, some weeks I needed her for like three or four hours of appointments and some weeks I needed her for none. But because she was so skilled, the weeks I needed her for three or four hours of appointments, it cost me $12, right? 
So $12, I could afford $12 gave me all of Friday afternoon back. $12 meant that I could make a mistake and lose a client or get a bad name in the, you know, reputation in the community for changing prices. Right. So that's the kind of stuff I want people to understand is we're not talking about heavy costs. We're also not talking about a VA is not a team. Like Mm -hmm. people, oh, I have a VA and I dump work on my desk to her desk or his just whatever. And to me, I'm talking about strategies in play that allow you more and more time in the creation mode of the business, as well as the people who you work with. Nobody should be always doing the same stuff all the time in the same amount of time. Their work should compress so that they have room on their calendar to be creative and to amplify your creation. So mm-hmm. there's been a lot of miseducation about what a team is. Gotcha. $12. That's something. That's awesome. And so I, I guess, yeah. I interrupt you there? Yeah. You don't even need her now. There's so many apps that you can do it for like you know, all the transcriptions you want all year long for 50 bucks or 20 cents a minute or whatever. Gotcha. Like now that's pricey compared to the True. other things you have now. So it just yeah. keeps getting, getting better and better. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love this aspect of outsourcing, delegating yeah. and, and bringing in these, these kind of like home run hitters based on their, like you said, their area of genius, because there are things people can do so much better than me because of them that being their strength, that being their area of genius, like you said. And so why not let them live in that sweet spot when it's it's not my sweet spot? I have other areas that I, I enjoy and I'm better at than those. And so um, that's a great point. And with that, you mentioned that it, it even saved you the possibility of losing clients because yeah, they were doing all that. Yeah. And also... Uh, one of the things we talk about, you know, I talk about all the time is what I call the three D's. Mm. So when you're running a business, when you're an entrepreneur, what most people don't realize they're losing a lot of money on the three D's, what I call okay. damaging overhead, delayed income and diminished opportunity mm. and damaging overhead is you. So whatever you can charge for your service, when you're doing mundane tasks, like moving information, copy and paste, there's so yep. much copy and paste and redundant tasks in your work. I don't care what you do. So you're moving this information around. And what happens is if you can charge $2,000 for a package or 200 bucks or anything, then that makes that really low level copy and paste work you're doing cost that much. So you're the damaging overhead, Mm -hmm. right? And then plus, obviously, delayed income is very costly. Like we have no idea how much that's costing you, how much money you're pushing down the pipe because you're too busy doing admin work and you don't have a consistent, you know, traffic plan to get new business because you're too busy in the business, right? Right. And then diminished opportunity. Haven't you all went somewhere and somebody said, oh my gosh, I wish we knew because last week we hired somebody to do that. <laughs> yeah. We're never going to get that money back. Right. right? No, I like that. Those, yeah. And it's so funny, like with <laughs> how many times like we do kind of have that, that damaging overhead being us. And it's like, I've seen it too, like starting all the things I've been doing, I'm like running out of time to do something that's more important. I'm like, okay, one, I got to prioritize better, which what comes first, what's more important. And then, yeah, being able to outsource some of those things. And you think you're saving money. Like there's some little monster in the back. Right, right. Myself, I'll save money. Yeah. You are the biggest expense there is because you're the only one that can deliver that service. Yep. So you, that's the biggest, if, if you guys only hear one thing from me, that's what you need to understand. You are damaging overhead. You are not saving money. You are mm. costing yourself money like you do not understand. So with that, I've and I've heard from multiple people, and I've always kind of been like, I'm like, really? They they say that 
you shouldn't outsource until you're making a certain amount of dollars because you need to learn the process and you need to learn how to do these things. And I'm like, but yeah. why? Yeah. Okay, good. I think we're on the same page. So what do you say to, to that? What I say to that is, okay, let's think of something really simple. Like you're building a house and you say, all right, how long is it going to take me? Even if I was came down on this earth and I was a plumber and electrician and all this other stuff. So let's say no education whatsoever. I've just been blessed by a fairy angel and I know how to do all these different trades. So these things cannot lay on top of each other or coordinate what happens. I have to do the drywall. I have to do this and I have to do. So how long would it take you to build a house when you're running around, even just doing the labor, never mind learning it. All right. So we're talking years or you can be the coordinator of that. And you've got all the different trades coming in. You can build a house in weeks. So it is really unbelievably ridiculously short-sighted to think that you have to learn everything. And then with what little you've learned in areas that are not your zone of genius and you're not grasping the full thing, you're now going to give them a bad copy version, dumbed down version of what you barely learned. Never mind that that's taking a lot of time. It's just totally inefficient. I'll tell you with my team and with all the clients that we coach in our group coaching and stuff like that, that's one of the things I teach them is I will pay for courses it could be anything like how to be effective on a YouTube channel. It could be all, it could be anything. You list anything and I, we've taken a course in it, info product, whatever. And then my team will go through the course mm, and man. they will take things and write out what we call a toolkit. And they will show up in what we call scrum meetings and say, okay, Chris, to get your YouTube channel up here, I have done, here, there might be 50 hours of training in this. She will give me a link to the video and say, I need you to watch minutes three to five, why the intro video is different than all the other videos you do, why it's important. This is what I need from you. And then I need the banner guy to make me a banner. So she spoon feeds what I absolutely have to see in the course, what Mm. I have to do. And then she puts it together. And then if she walks out the door, we still have a toolkit of what we need if somebody else is going to do that for us. So I'm not, not only am I not running around trying to learn it all, teach them, I'm not learning anything. They're yeah. learning, they're teaching me. That's awesome. That's such a, oh, that's so, that makes complete sense though. Having delegating even the learning of those tasks yes. with it. And so good. Cause I, I mean, the people I was listening to, they, they are, they're at a different level than I am as well. And so I'm like, well, maybe they know something I don't, but it just didn't make sense to me. Like if I can do delegate something now that I'm not good at and they continue to do it. There's always someone who's going to be better at that spot or be stronger in that to be able to do that for me. I'm not even a hundred percent sure. And I'm glad you didn't mention names because I don't want to criticize anyone. Right. right, I'm I'm not even a hundred percent sure that that misinformation either not build on experience or, you know, they just don't know enough because they did it that way. And it was the Mm -hmm. hard way. And so they're telling you the flawed ways that they did it. Like, yes, they made a success, but maybe they made it in 10 years and it could have been in five. Or the fact that there is some element of what they call, you know, who's the enemy? Like, well, if they're up on this big hill and looking down, you're like, I make all this money and I'm in this leadership role and I'm going to give you these tips. And, you know, some of them, I just don't get how that could be described as effective. Then there's still that gap versus they're the hero and you're the, you know, mild little student. And, right. And, you know what I mean? There, there's that ranking that sort of helps them hold, hold on to their credentials. 
And I'm here just to pull back and say, look, I can tell you a thousand different ways I learn things the hard way and save you the pain and, you know, and just get you right to the wisdom. But I'm all about no fluff, big results. Mm -hmm. So anything that I work with my coaching clients, my group coaching or whatever, you know, our info product, the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs, or when I'm talking on, you know, general business on when the hour, when the day podcast, I want you to have immediate wins. Even our podcast, though it's general business, it's all about how can you get to your next win now? So you don't want to be grunting it out for three months going, do I stick it for six months? Do I do this? When do I know it? Okay. You know, like, so you have to put six months in, eight months in, or even weeks to go, oh, that didn't work. Let's try something else. So I'm all about see results quickly and then lean into those and get more results. Yes. I, I love that. And and it, it just makes sense. Like, hmm. yeah, complete sense. So with that, we obviously want to win now. We want to, we want to yeah. utilize our time the best we can. And uh, it was Bradley who said, I, man, when he said this, it was awesome. He said, people say they only have 24 hours in a day. And then you take away what you sleep and all that. He's like, I have multiplied that by 10 for me. And they're like, wait, how do you do that? I have 10 people help me. So each of those people have hours. And so I have all this time. And that's why I, I win because I've added time. And I was like, oh, genius. Like it makes so much sense to do that. Well, it's not even equal math. Well, first of all, I would tell right. you it's not about time. It's about results, okay. right? Yes, right. And then what I would tell you is he's got 10 people helping him, let's say. And so you're multiplying it by 10. But you're also, it's faulty math, meaning that he's minimizing the numbers because the one thing that I'm not great at, like we have this person, I'll give her a shout out, Kazel on our team. And I've always hated spreadsheets, but sometimes mm. you need spreadsheets to give you really clear comparison data. And so help me, I said today, Kate Kazel, if you don't win like the World Peace Prize for friggin' sports uh, spreadsheets, like she can give you a spreadsheet. You're like, wow, this is easy to read and, read and it's dynamic and it's interesting and it's everything. And I, and we're just tracking things that I would have never been able to track, but she makes these things that are so easy to use. Yeah. Not in the next five years could I have done what she can do in five minutes, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it's a whole way she sees it. So we don't, can't, we can't, multiply her 10 hours to my 10 hours because it would take me a hundred hours to do what she does in 10. So if the math is even more in your favor when you're handing off things that are not going to be in your zone of genius, because that's just not the way the human brain is. You have to be good at some things and better at other things than other people and vice versa. It's not equal. No, I, I agree. That's a great point too. And so with that, how do we go about building this, this win team This what is next team? Well, that's an excellent question, Chris. So what I would tell you, I guess the most important thing is I I would probably flip it and give you the reverse. You know, I wish I could give you a magic pill and say, here's how you do it. It's not hard. It is strategic. It's really like a recipe for chocolate chip cookies. Everyone's made a recipe of chocolate chip cookies. I've seen somebody do it. It's not complicated, but if you had no recipe and you're guessing on the flour or you put the chocolate chips in after they've been baked, it's not the same, right? Right. So what I would tell you is it took me years to figure out how to hire on board and then to keep these people and to keep them happy, leaning into systems that make their job more interesting and allow them a creative element so that they're really invested in what we're doing and that they're Mm. here for the long haul. Right. So, you know, there's all that stuff. It's not hard, you know, reach out to me. We've got free gift G I F T from Chris K R I S.com. We always got treasures and treats in there for give you some insights, mini training. But what I would tell you is if you only learn one thing today, what I want you to understand is what it's not. 
So yeah. having a VA where you dump work on your desk, his or her desk, and you think, okay, now I've got a team. Even if you have two or three VAs or whatever, it's really about the systems in play that make it a win team, your what is next team, so that you gotcha. can get to what is next. It's about the work being compressed. And so things that took you 10, 10 steps now take you eight, take you six. And so that you can always be on what the next thing is. You know, I was so thrilled when I wrote my book, When the Hour, When the Day. I thought there should have been a parade when I finished it, right? <laughs> and now I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to get the second one out, right? And so one, one idea or creation just births another, right? Mm. Well, there's so much I want to say in the second book. So I'm not done. So I have to have room for that second book now because now I have a podcast and now I have the info product and now I have the, right? So you have to have room for that. And so what I would tell you is it really makes sure you understand it's just not about having a couple of VAs. It's not about throwing money. Yeah. I deal with people all the time who paid really high end, paid way more than they should have to build their team. Because people tell me all the time, conservatively, we save them $50,000 a year by either damaging overhead or the yeah. fact that they hired the wrong person and had to rehire them or they paid mm. too much for the labor. And they also tell us that on average, within the first month, we always save them 25 hours a week. So what I want you to understand is building a team isn't expensive. It's not by surrounding yourself with a couple of men people. It's not just having a VA. Okay. It's more strategic than that. Okay. yeah, And that's good to know. Because like when you think of that, you're like, oh, well, I don't have uh, maybe I don't have the funds to hire all these people because, you know, I'm thinking minimum wage type thing. And, and so, so, yeah, no, it's it's less than minimum wage. First yeah. of all, you don't do that. And secondly, I would also tell you we're on our third student this year. We have now had, I don't know, maybe 35 co-op students. They're free. But we oh, get so like because, interns? Yeah, but we get okay. them because of the systems we have in play. The schools love us because they they go in and they learn stuff from us and they leave and we get free labor and they get a lot of learning from a work experience. There is a okay. whole bunch of ways. I'm yeah. telling you, if you can't afford a win team, then you need to have a win team. You're mm -hmm. never going to get to where you need or want doing it the way you're doing it. How Remember do you go? Overhead again. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, got to remember the damaging overhead. Yeah. So how, that was a good point. How do you connect with those? Would you just reach out to any school? Is there a strategy with that to, for the intern, the co-op? So what I would give you some short tips on that is, you know, of we're probably being aired around the world. So I don't know what your local rules are, but okay. what I would tell you is they're usually most high schools and colleges have it, especially high schools, because a lot of the kids, here's the thing. A lot of the kids now don't have the same amount of work experience that you or I maybe had uh, because now hours, you know, aside from the, the craziness going on in the world, you know, the part-time hours, like four hours here, four hours there. So they, and also with the, with the phones and stuff, they don't have the social skills that they used to, cause you can text somebody and ask them out. You don't have to stand there and stammer or anything. anymore. Right. Right? So there's all that. So they really want these kids to get these experiences. So contact your local school board, see if they have a co-op because my gosh, they're so hard to find. The schools are always scrambling for them because there's a little bit of paperwork. Like maybe I'd say okay. you meet with the school, a half hour of paperwork, and then you're good for like four months. It's really minimal. And okay. so the schools are always looking for it. So I would contact your local school board. And then once they get to know and like you, man, then before one semester ends, there's, there's another student coming. Gotcha. Sometimes we okay. have had one time we had three students per, per one semester and Evan on my team told me to stop bringing home puppies, but um, <laughs> often we have two, but for sure we have one. Okay. And they have, do they have specific, does that, oh, does the job they do consistently change or do you kind of those 
those individuals coming in kind of stick to one area of the team? That's a great question. So it depends on what you do. In our case, more often than not, because we still have a a whole marketing team of the business, Mm -hmm. more often than that, they come in thinking they want to be a graphic designer. Now, what happens is we will tell them, even if you were a great graphic designer, which they're not experienced, we can't then get rid of you in three months and then have to go find an employee graphic designer. So they'll get to do graphic design like 20% of their job and we'll give them like a banner here or there. What will happen is more often than not, they're somebody that like to doodle, be creative, and they don't understand that, oh, but the customer's saying, here's my brand colors. It's not just about making superheroes, right? Yeah, right. So they'll have to do a lot of admin work, other things to join team meetings, which gives them great exposure to the workforce and they learn social cues and all that kind of stuff. And the school loves that. Cool. So, you know, just general business, they'll be thrilled. You can package it, you can sell it, but they'll just be thrilled that they get work experience and know, you know, this isn't texting your buddy about going to McDonald's. You have to learn right. how to communicate through email, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's really neat. And I like how that kind of like it gives back because you're yes. you know, because yeah. they don't learn this in school. Like, uh, so that's, I really, I like that idea a lot yeah. and it's just, it's a win for everybody really. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so interns like utilizing co-ops, things like that is a good place to start, especially if you're, maybe your budget's lower. What would you say would be the next area to look into for, for building your, your win team? Like I know, cause there's like Fiverr, Upwork, things like that. Are those viable or no? Anything's viable. If you have a proper hiring onboarding, you know, process, that's it. That's the strategy you have to have. It's really not about where you get them from it. And it's not about what you hire first. It's about your process, your tool. How do you, how do you bring them on board? And I would probably argue that most businesses are just, you know, I deal with a lot of people that on paper look like they're very successful uh-huh. and you know, they might have a book or a podcast, but there's, they've been in business, you know, five, eight, 10 years, and they're still working way too many hours. Oh, and what happens is most entrepreneurs are still very much in reaction mode, right? Mm-hmm. Putting up fires, just running around and they're getting more and more frustrated because that gap from where you are and where you want to be is painful when you see it. As many people told me, they said it was like a dream catcher because they finally caught up with their dreams versus them slipping away. Right. Yeah. And so what you really want to understand is what people don't address enough is what we call toolkits. And Mm. the the people hear about policies and that sounds dry and boring and like it's going to stifle you, the entrepreneur, but you're thinking from a corporate mindset Mm -hmm. or from a, a, a liability mindset, here's our policies for the liability and stuff. I'm talking about the fact that you could go in and, you know, if you do something in test, 10 steps, now you can do it in six and you don't have to remember what those six steps are tomorrow. So the, you won't be subject to human error, you know, or, or you won't have an idea three months from now and you go, I have this great idea. And then you realize I had that idea months ago. We just didn't implement it and fell <laughs> off the radar. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it allows you to act quickly, be proactive, get stuff done. So it's really what I call leaning into the systems, which save yourself stress, time, energy, and money. And mm-hmm. we call them toolkits. So again, gotcha. I wish I could give that all to you right now. Oh, right. Yeah. That's the part where people are missing and where the wheels fall off. Okay. So having those to, to and you're talking those toolkits to help onboard, right? To help or, do anything that you do, anything okay. that you do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I think like systems work, people don't is what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so having a duplicatable system that if anyone comes in, they can just, Hey, all right, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Perfect. We had during our first launch of the outsourcing playbook, 
It was our very first launch. We'd never launched an info product. And my VA had been with us for over seven years. Now, never mind how the business had grown. Look how the world has changed in seven years, like technology and resources we didn't have seven years ago. And um, we hired a new person within a week, and she was up to 80% capacity in the middle of a launch. Wow. And it was just because we had these toolkits in place. So like, look, if you can read and answer an email, here's the five steps you need to do to log in and do this for me. Boom. And you know what? Okay. They were, she was so excited because it allowed her to get to the fun stuff really quickly instead of that painful learning curve of, it, you know, in the beginning of a job. So okay. we did that in the middle of a brand new, never before done launch. And that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That's awesome. Yeah. It just simplifies kind of just like a here, plug, plug and chug kind of thing. Yeah. Like this is the yeah. dude. Okay. Yeah. That's good. With that... I guess, can you give a little maybe insight on how to successfully maybe find, acquire and hire the right people? Like, how do you go about like maybe missing the duds? I know it's not a hundred percent, but. So again, I call everything, uh, you know, we have a toolkit for everything. Mm -hmm. So in the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs, we've always got a coming soon from Chris page. So no matter when this is aired, check out coming soon from Chris, K-R-I-S.com. And in our outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs, you see me actually interview people like over the shoulder, how I do it, how I set it up, how the interviews are like two minutes, how I move them through. And in between the interviews, you see me talking, explaining why that was not somebody I'd want or would and little subtleties. Gotcha. Go for. So there's a lot of really powerful stuff in that, but I'll give you some shortcuts here. We call it, do they get a pass? P-A-S-S, mm. personality, action, success, strengths. So I always hire personality over skill set. I always do that because if you've got two people, even with one skill set a little bit lower than the other personality, they will overachieve. They will learn. They'll be hungry. They will show up. You can train a skill set. You cannot train a personality, right? right. Mm-hmm. When they look interested and passionate, you're looking for a personality. Okay. Action. I always say, what actions do they take? So when I'm hiring and you'll see this in the videos and I'll say, okay, I've narrowed it down to people that I want to see in the first mini interview. And I will send them a thing, say, okay, here's why we're having this meeting Thursday at this time. Let me know if you're interested and send me email here. And I give them a different email. I want to see what actions they take. How quickly do they respond? How do they respond? What language they use? All this other stuff. So I want to see the actions. It's a little mini test and I just Mm. want to check them out there. And then I talk to them about their strengths in the interview or sorry, in the interview, I'll ask them about their successes. I'll say, can you tell me about a success you've had and what that meant to you? It will be very telling when somebody tells you about a success and why it matters to them, right? I have a friend who's in HR in a normal corporate job and the shocking story she tells you that people say in an interview would just floor you, right? (laughs) I mean, people would surprise you. They can say something like, well, you know, I got cut off driving here and then I got really angry, but I held my temper. Oh, that's great. Good job. Good on that, right? So people will tell you really amazing things about how they view the world by their successes. And then the last one, of course, asking them what their strengths are and taking a look at, do they compliment you? We don't want them to be the same. Are they able at this point to identify their strengths? Do they have the confidence to do that? So remember pass, personality, action, success, and strength. Awesome. That's good. Uh, and I love acronyms because it just, again, yeah. is easy to, to remember and give out. So yeah, personality, action, successes, strengths. Awesome. And so I guess that kind of leads into... 
It's a, this is just exciting topics because I, I again I, I'm all for delegating and utilizing other people's strengths and then kind of being there and helping guide them in growth as well. So how does that look from your perspective, from the win, from winning the hour, winning the day, to lead this new team and help them develop, help them to grow, so everybody kind of is benefiting. Well, what I would tell you is you don't need to do as much as you think when okay. things are put in play for them to be successful because you're gotcha. setting them up for success. So you don't need to redirect them as much as you would normally in another leadership role because the system is set up to succeed. Like we'll hop on, you know, we have mini scrum meetings every morning with the team. They're like 15, 20 minutes and I'll look at something and I'll be like, okay, I'm trying to do this you know, and we have something and we got it down to 10 steps and realize, oh, you know what? That's kind of redundant, a little bit confusing. Or if somebody misses something, we'll look at it and say, well, clearly I've got an amazing team. So it must be the process. It must be the system. Let's look at that. Oh yeah, that is kind of confusing. Okay. Let's change that. So it's more clear because you should, businesses are not run in memory. You shouldn't have to remember that. Right. It's always just tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. And when the team sees that you're tweaking the, the toolkit and the process, you know, it just empowers them to come up with ideas, but it also really allows them to take risks and ambitions. And there's less leading needed than you would think because it's just a really well-oiled machine. You know, it's kind of like a trainer with an Olympic athlete. Well, how do you inspire them? Well, you don't. They're just really good and you keep (laughs) tweaking them and trying to get better and better results and do it in less and less time. And so that's what happens is when we're all working at something and we see it working, getting better and better and more efficient, Like here's an example with my win the hour, win the day podcast, where, as I mentioned, we talk about general business tips, anything, social media to sales, anything. Well, we're looking at now of doing two shows a week. Well, we're getting it all tuned up. So it might increase our workload about 10%. It's not going to double it, but yet Mm -hmm. it's double the guests. It's double the production. It's double everything. So how is it going to work that it only increases 10% of our work? Well, we're tweaking it real tight. We've made some changes. And so now, you know, in the next six months, that's something we're going to do. So we're doubling our output and we're increasing our work by 10%. So that's just adjusting toolkits. And there's a whole science and we work with, you know, uh, our coaching clients on that. There is a simplicity and how the brain absorbs information and a science to make things easier and easier for you because your brain should be free for the creation stage of it. Yeah. Your mind is meant for creating ideas, not holding them. Mm, that's a good point. It, it, so it, it's because you hear you talk about like decision fatigue, making yes. a lot of decisions. And so when you have these systems, these toolkits in place, it's just like, hey, this is what we're doing. Yeah. It's just like Zuckerberg wearing the same stuff every day because he doesn't want to yeah. make that choice. It just decreases so you can make better decisions on bigger things that matter. 100%. Okay. That's not awesome. even making decisions creating. Mm, yes. All creations in the history of time were done at rest or play. You cannot be creating when you're running and trying to catch up and reacting and using the brain yeah. power for that and burning down your battery like a whole bunch of apps open on your phone. You <laughs> yeah. can't you can't run in and create in 10 minutes. Creation comes from a clarity and a calm. That's just how the brain is wired. And if you're like me, you guys, and you think, oh no, you don't understand. I work really hard. I'm really ambitious. So I know for years I was thinking, oh, but my brain is wired differently than all the scientists that they, you know, did on <laughs> right. and all these different experiments. No, no, you don't understand. I'm a really ambitious, hungry entrepreneur. So that science doesn't include me. Well, it's not true. It's you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're included. Yeah. And a lot of that, that really is what it comes back to too is, is ourselves. I've noticed that even with me through this whole process and journey. So yeah, I love, this is such a good 
so so much good information and, and I appreciate you sharing just about uh, the win teams, your systems, like the three D's pass, all of this, just this, these golden nuggets in here on how we can start delegating outsourcing to, to free up our creativity and, and help other people live in their strengths and just see them flourish even on their own, which I think is really cool. And so, yeah, just again, appreciate you being on, sharing all of this. Before we do wrap up, I do ask one question of my guests. I ask one question of my guests, and that is the fifth trade of pedestal leadership is we're all created with a, a unique purpose uh, to leave a positive mark on the world. And so when everything is said and done for you, uh, what do you hope your mark is? You know what? I just think that you are responsible for the energy that you bring into the room and how you show up, right? And to me, I, I had somebody, actually a, a family member, like a nephew quite young, and he had said to me something about, uh, he was doing a little school thing and he he was writing, he chose to write about me for this business thing. And he described me as being very positive. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's so young. And he he thought that, like, that's what he sees in his eyes at that age. And I thought, wow, like, first of all, what's happening around? Like, who is he running into that he's seeing not positive people, right? Because you're young. Right. But anyhow, so to me, I think it's really just about being positive, being responsible for the energy you bring in the room. And as I always tell my team, first of all, we always look at systems first. And if there's an issue there, or if I do have an issue with something that you're doing, then I deal with it and I move on. Once it's done, like we say, okay, this isn't working for me. And here's what you need to do differently. Now it's done. It's done. We're not, there's no holding on to resentment. There's none of that craziness. You, the kindest thing you can give people is the truth. Here's the issue. Let's move on be responsible for the energy you bring in the room. That's it. Awesome. That is phenomenal. I think that's, those are some great marks to be left. So it's awesome to see that. And, and obviously you're doing that with just helping other people learn and, and build this. So Chris, thank you again for being on the show. Before we say goodbye though, where can people, obviously, I know you dropped some some links so far, but where's kind of the main area that people can get connected with you or or reach out to you? Yeah. Well, first of all, tell me you saw me or heard me on this fabulous show. So we'll be instant friends. And you can check me on any of the socials, reach out to me wherever, LinkedIn. Uh, and yeah, just check out free gift from Chris, K-R-I-S dot com. And, uh, you know, you'll get some free goodies and stuff like that. And then you'll be in our little thing. You can email me, respond. I'm always looking for great questions or I'll, I will respond to you personally. I, I'm, I'm always building my repertoire of information. So I'm here to answer any questions you have. Awesome. Yeah, guys, definitely uh, go, go get connected with her, see what she's doing. Just continue to learn uh, just about building your win team and just let's start building that. So Chris, again, thank you so, so much for being on Pencil Leadership today. Thank you. And if you guys are looking to outsource some of the tasks within your business, within your podcast for super, super cheap, check out Fiverr. I use it. I'm affiliated with them to get some of the tasks done that I don't have time for, or that I'm not as good at, not my strengths. So check out my link in the show description to get started with Fiverr today. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.